0: As a marketer, what I really want to create is a moment in time where I can present you with my value proposition and build a relationship in a business context. Because if you can hear me and I can understand what your problems are, I know that I've got something that can drive your business forward.
1: Hello, and Welcome to the next episode of DGR Dialogue. My name is Andrew Gaffney. I'm Editorial Director. Really glad you could join us today our guest today is nick runyon nick is the cmo of pfl which is a leader in the tactile marketing automation space and a great partner of ours nick thanks for joining me today
0: it is great to be on with you thanks andrew
1: nick we've done a lot of work with pfl but today i want to focus covered a lot of the great case studies you guys do but i want to focus today on actually an internal case study We partnered with PFL on our recent virtual event, our B2B sales and marketing exchange. And thanks largely to the creativity and a lot of the things that you guys brought to the table, we worked with you on a a welcome kit that was a a box that got sent to all registrants and we just got phenomenal response to it. We had a lot of people posting on social, really talking it up and a lot of people gave us direct feedback. It's exciting for us because as you know, our audience are marketers and they live and breathe this stuff. So... To see how excited they got and how intrigued they got about how they can uh, apply those kind of concepts themselves was was really exciting. I wanted to get your take, Nick, on some of the questions we're getting because again you guys really helped drive a lot of this for us. Is this something let me start out with you know the approach that we took? Is this something that you're seeing a lot of other b2b marketers do with their own events? A lot of people are shifting to virtual Are you seeing them integrate direct mail tactile marketing into their programs yeah, we are and I mean,
0: it takes a long, specifically with virtual events, it takes a long time to plan an event of any size. But I think that a lot of the teams, and I'm sure many of your listeners had this experience in 2020, as we started shifting towards virtual, it's like, okay, there's a whole new planning cycle that we need to engage in to make sure that these events are valuable, that they continue to be attractive to people that we're inviting to them. And that when we run the event, that people actually stay engaged. And I'm sitting here trying to remember the timeline that you and I shared on that event. We were talking months in advance, you know, about, okay, what's this going to look like and, and how can we begin to implement that? And at the time I mentioned to you, we haven't seen anybody integrate a tactile experience as part of either a pre event or during a couple are doing like post webinar, post virtual event sends, thank you gifts, and that kind of thing. But at the time, nobody had done registration type of experience. And I still think that you guys were one of the first. That was the whole idea that we engaged in with you, is like, let's try to make this virtual event just as valuable, just as meaningful, and a strong experience like the in-person events have been in the past. So so to answer your question, yes, we're seeing a lot more. And I think we're going to continue to see more as organizations like yours begin to integrate a physical component to these virtual environments.
1: I mean, that was the exciting thing for us, Nick, again, and I I credit you and your team because you helped to come up with the concept and really drove a lot of it for us. But I think the thing that you mentioned around engagement was really critical for us in that uh, what we found and learned was, I think it got people excited about the event. So in the digital world, you register for a lot of things, hopefully it makes it on your calendar hopefully spent some time with it. But I just think the physical touch and a lot of the other elements that you guys helped bring to the table for us, we we had the gamification element where they, they could get points for attending different things, which which worked out great. We had sort of the book that gave the agenda, but we also did some of the coloring pages, which got a lot of social shares and feedback. So I just think that the engagement part was the one that really exceeded my expectations, that I think it got people connected to the event before it started, they were more committed to it. And I think that helped them sort of keep track of, okay, where am I with this? And really just sort of bridge that, that virtual gap. So, you know, I think that's where you'll see a lot of opportunities. And I'm guessing that's sort of what you're thinking of and discussing with other clients as well.
0: For sure. And for those that are listening that didn't participate or didn't receive this, I just, I want to explain one of the things that you mentioned, and I can't take credit for this. My team came up with this concept. With a virtual event, what we were seeing about halfway through the year is, digital fatigue. It's webinar fatigue. I myself have, I mean, I'm sure you do as well, have multiple offers for webinars every day, every week. I've even registered for many with the best of intentions. And then just, you know, something comes up and I end up missing it. We were thinking about how do you keep people engaged across a multi-day event? You know, we did this with your team, but we do this with a lot of our customers is we want to just bring that extra bit of value that really connects the dots for people. My team came up with this idea of a scratch-off game. And so inside the box that was sent, there's the program, like you mentioned, there's a mug, a coloring book, which was a big hit. I was integrated into the program. But this fold-out card with these scratch-off circles for each featured session and for each marketplace sponsor, there's a scratch-off. And so as people participate in the event, and attend these different sessions you scratch it off you write down the code word that's given during the event and i just thought that was a brilliant idea but we we hadn't seen that done before we didn't really know how it would work and what i heard this is all through the grapevine so i'm asking you to confirm this now andrew but i heard that you guys had over 70 percent attendance all the way through for 70 percent of the people that registered attended the event throughout the whole thing is that true
1: Yeah, definitely with a core two days, we were blown away with the sort of show up because as you said, you know, with digital fatigue and webinars, that's webinars, it tends to be a lot lower. So... Yeah, we were up in that level, and we were really excited. And, and just the anecdotal feedback we got of the people that you know were doing the scratch-offs and attending as many sessions as they could and just sort of letting us know that, I just think that the engagement levels we saw were much higher than we've seen on like in a webinar series and others.
0: I know a lot of people on my team were hoping to win the scratch-off game and get that free pair of engraved, customized AirPod Pros, but... We didn't win. <laughs> <So maybe laughs> no next
1: cool prizes. There was those and a couple others. So we had about eight winners that really were excited to win some cool prizes. So it helps. I mean, even with a physical event, there's some of that stuff that can feel kind of gimmicky. But I, I really think it helped us bridge the gap on the virtual of making it feel really tangible and making sure it showed up on people's schedules and that they were engaged for those two days so that was really important for us so the other thing i want to dig into again because i mentioned that because these are marketers and artists, we got a ton of questions after that you know they loved it but they started to dig down and that's part of what i wanted to get you on was to really get your take on some of the questions we were getting so your budget came up and like oh you know this, this seemed really cool but i'm not sure if i can do that so how much budget should be a, a barrier? Can smaller companies do this? To, can, does it only work for larger scale events? And Anything you could share from like a context of how companies, marketers should be thinking about budget for, for direct mail and integrating Tactile into their programs?
0: Well, I mean, as the Tactile sponsor for B2B SMX, we wanted to put the showroom model out there for everybody to see. So the experience that you all created, I think, was top of the line. You don't have to... Spend as much as we spent on that in order to deliver the same type of experience, and so I think what people have to think about first when budget's a that's an appropriate place to start. And I kind of like that people are asking that question because that tells me that this experience felt expensive, which is kind of nice. You know, that's a that's something that we were going for, and so. But there's ways to value engineer this, and I think that marketers really need to think about what am I trying to accomplish. So. If the goal is really branding and delivering just a world-class experience, that's going to put you into a higher price range. If we want to drive registration, you want to drive early registration, you want to maybe drive meetings during or after an event, we have to think about what's the purpose and then start to build around that. And I think that it's important to really narrow down into what is the action that I want people to take. So there's two ways that tactile can drive action. One is you can automatically trigger this, and this is where our software comes into play. An automatic triggering of a send, like upon an event registration, for example. And then there's the software that PFL builds sits behind the tactile experience allows sales teams or representatives from your company whatever the case may be to provide timely follow-up upon delivery so that's the automated piece of this there's also ways that we enable those experiences to be sent by your sales team as a one-off and if you think about that in an event context it is possible to do this manually. That's where the scale question comes into play. So what we wanted to do with your team for B2B SMX was to have all of this automated so that you could scale across the full event. So if people registered by a certain time, we wanted to drive early registrations, but we wanted to just have this automated experience where everybody could participate in it. That's going to be at the top end. Say you've got some VIP registrations or a path for some of your um, best prospects or customers to attend a webinar or a virtual event. Savvy teams can do this same type of experience on a budget. It's going to be a much more manual process. Software is not included, but just building a process to kind of capture those registrations, maybe a preferred prospect or a VIP, like I mentioned, and then send those out one off and follow it up manually. The question of when does software get involved really is as is a matter of scale and budget, and so. There's a way to do this manually up into a point. And then beyond that, I think you need to think about some greater sophistication. One of the things you asked earlier is, what are we going to see in the future? Are more people going to begin to do this? And I think that's really going to be a factor in future events. And I'll give you an example. Zoom is a great customer of ours. And they've been on board with PFL for a couple of years now. As they started to approach Zoomtopia this year, Austin over at Zoom had built some address capture products into our software with our team. As people shifted to work from home, they were trying to figure out how do I deliver stuff to people when they're working remote and they're not in the office. The team that was running Zoomtopia had seen this happening as part of Austin's prospecting and customer experience. And they were able to just kind of plug and play what he had already built into that, into the Zoomtopia effort. And so, as speakers were registering, or they had different kind of VIP access, they would point them towards some of these landing pages and some of these address capture tools that we had built as part of their marketing effort and their sales efforts, and then use that for the events. And so I guess what I'm saying is one of the things that I think we're starting to see is if you are in a position where you've got some kind of tactile marketing automation, already part of your marketing and sales process, it can be used for an event. If you onboard that for an event, it can be used for other parts of your buyer and customer journey. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of this integration in the future as people figure out, oh, I can point this effort at different things and help to drive different actions at different points in my customer experience. Awesome. I
1: wanted to tackle one of the other questions that we got a lot, sort of honestly, a really valid question and one that revealed the value of the partnership with you guys they were like how did you know what to send so for the folks that hadn't seen it you mentioned Nick, there was a mug in there but there was also uh coffee flavored gummy bears that you guys helped us come up with so we were tying back to a theme of creative fuel for new revenue realities and again i think what you guys really helped us do was make the box the welcome kit thematic so that it it felt like we're going to a creative an audience, and it felt like you were, you know, intrigued to start thinking about the event, and it was relevant for marketers out there that are thinking, okay, maybe they're going to try to do this for you know a virtual event or something. They may be doing on a smaller scale with their sales team. How often do you guys get involved in you know what? What should the theme be? What could be in the mailing? Is that part of the value you're typically providing for folks that are wondering what to send and how to tie it in?
0: Yes, it is. And uh, that's where we got an interesting view. I love seeing some of the stuff comes through our shop. It's every size and flavor, you know, and so our team has this unique kind of aggregated perspective that we can help brainstorm for customers when they want to do something like this. Oftentimes, people will say, how do I get started? Or I want to, I want to pilot this idea or this concept. We have a team here at PFL called the pro team. And if you Call in to the pro team and say, Hey, you know, I'm thinking this isn't a software thing. I don't want to get all involved. I just want to pilot the concept. And you're talking about dozens or hundreds or maybe even thousands of kits for a specific one off experience. That team all day long helps to conceptualize some of these ideas, build around your goals, and then can help put that together. We can even do we can act as your swag closet <laughs> you know so with some kind of trigger we'll send it out for you and uh, and do all that stuff it's manually on our side but it's automatic for the customer so that would be kind of a low level a pilot way to do it without the the software involvement but half of what that team does is to conceptualize new ways to engage people and really start to understand what is it that you want to create as an experience and how can we do that within the parameters that you set for us?
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge value because also you guys helped us with an awards mail that we did for Innovator Awards and that was just really cool concepts and you guys had some great recommendations about for what to send and how to package it. So I would just sort of reinforce for everyone out there that that should be a big part, especially for new ideas, new people that are like you piloting it. That would be a a big advantage. I would recommend tapping into. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Nick, was you talked about timing. So you guys, it felt early to me, but you know, our event was in October. You, you started talking to us in the summer and really said, okay, you know, you started to put together timelines. Talk a little bit about it, you can about what what kind of lead time is required to do a successful mailing. If people are thinking about things, should they already be thinking about Q1 for 2021 at this point, or how much lead time do you typically recommend for folks? You know, I'm going to say that we can turn these
0: things fairly quickly. What we did for you was a full custom printed box. You know, every surface had branding all over it. There's other options that are a little faster that don't require as much lead time. But here's what we're starting to run into. And I mean, this is starting to, I think, really be an issue around the holiday season. What I can't tell yet, is this a holiday backlog or is this going to be production delays because of, COVID and other related issues, but we're seeing longer lead times on this stuff now. Supply chains have been pretty steady throughout the year, and I think one of the things that we manage very closely, PFL is not just the software creator, but for those that don't know, we own the entire printing process. We have integrations with FedEx. So from that software interaction all the way to a tactile piece being delivered at somebody's door, we control that whole supply chain it gives us a lot of stability, but it also gives us visibility into disruptions within that supply chain. So one of the things that we're seeing right now is a real slowdown on some of these kit packaging, like the branded box production. That's moving us towards a capex expense actually. So we're, we're ramping up our manufacturing facility to be able to produce these boxes in house, just to make sure that we can maintain shorter timelines this is a long-winded answer because I think there's a lot of different things going on right now and there's a lot of unknowns. But I would say give yourself and your team as much time as you can to prepare a successful delivery. And I think you use the word successful. I think that's a key word here. Marketing teams are always going to want to have more time to prepare. And I think in this environment, that's always better. Now, if you're on a time crunch, you can turn it very quickly, you know, in a couple of weeks. But think about delivery time, like right now around the holidays, deliveries are going to start getting backed up. There's external forces that always have to be considered. So
1: you talked about whether it's a scenario that, you know, software or not, or if you're doing it manually, talk about when you look at sort of the maturity or sophistication of the different clients you're working with, the folks that are doing it integrated and tactile, they have, they're not just looking at direct mail, sort of a silo, but it's all integrated with campaigns. Talk about the value, like what does that bring that you're you're not going to get when you're doing it manually?
0: Yeah, remember back before COVID when we used to get together at people's houses for dinner or you go out to dinner, maybe you do like some type of group experience. It wasn't ever really about the dinner. It was about the community. We are holistic people. We want to be involved in relationships. I think that marketing automation, marketing automation platforms, email sequences, digital marketing, all this stuff has opened up the door towards efficiency and scale. But I think it's really kind of one note in the digital space. What we've seen is as you integrate a physical component to deliver a true omni-channel experience in an orchestrated way, it's more like that relationship that you would have with family and friends. You can text each other, you can track with one another on social media, but there's also kind of that physical gathering element that's makes it a whole, complete relationship. I mean, I don't want to get kind of too philosophical here, but as a marketer, what I really want to create is a moment in time where I can present you with my value proposition. And build a relationship in a business context. Because if you can hear me and I can understand what your problems are, I know that I've got something that can drive your business forward. And I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people listening to this. You are in the jobs that you're in marketing your business because you believe in it and you believe that it can help people. What you need is a moment in time in order to just present that and then see if people want to take the next step forward. I think that's what tactile marketing automation and that's where the software really starts to make a big difference because I've got my digital streams. I've got my buyer journey that people are engaging with in the digital channels. When I start to integrate physical into that in an orchestrated way that matches the messaging and the journey that I'm taking people on, that's when we start to see response rates spike to 20, 30 percent and the ROI on those investments just goes through the roof because it is such a great kind of holistic experience and you're building relationships with people and allowing them to truly kind of hear and understand what you're offering and make a decision about whether or not they wanna move forward. I know we started by talking about events, but like in the larger context, an omnichannel experience I think is a holistic way to approach people and that can be applied in a number of different scenarios.
1: That's correct. We've covered a lot of ground. The time is flying by. I want to kind of wrap up with one main other question I had for you, Nick. So, you know, with the program that we work with, with you guys on, I think the other sort of aha for our audience was, wow, even though I'm working from home, this box came to me, it was relevant. So I think it sort of woke them up that maybe I still should be doing dark mail. Maybe it could still work. So talk a little bit of, if you can, about the approach with preferred address, how it's still working, any sort of of the intricacies of what people need to know about uh, making their audiences comfortable with with sharing their home address and just what it's looked like.
0: You know, your question brings to mind, uh, I read it, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. There was a study that came out and I would cite the group that did it, if I could remember in the moment here, but they're anticipating that about 25% of the workforce is going to stay remote. And we've seen a lot of big brands, you know, like Google, Amazon, Salesforce, and others saying if people want to stay remote and they're able to work in that way, they can. I think that's giving people some comfortability with this idea that my home environment is now my work environment. And we're seeing that In the activity of our customers that are using some of our address capture methods and tools as well. Early on, everybody was wondering, are people gonna be on board with this? Do they want to receive something at their home? We very quickly saw anecdotally that there's not a problem here. People are wanting to receive that. Now it's starting to prove out and we're getting some data that really does kind of validate those early assumptions. People are comfortable with the idea of receiving work-related correspondence in the mail at their home address. And we're seeing a willingness to provide that as well. I'll go maybe a step farther and say, there's a lot of consumer-level data out there that we're using and accessing. If I know somebody's first name, last name, and city, and then you add more to that, it makes it even more specific. But just with those three pieces of information, about 90% of the time, we can find the right home address And that data is coming out of public record data, like things like mortgages and, you know, insurance policies and stuff like that. But even sending proactively without somebody requesting something from a customer is yielding really good results. And last time we looked, it was about three to 4% said that they didn't like that experience. So I'd flip that around and say, because that was always the concern. Are people going to feel kind of, assaulted or invaded, you know, if we do this proactively, about 97% of the time, people are welcoming that. And with our own experience at PFL, they're calling us and they're saying, how did you do this? How can I do this as well? So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, I hate the phrase, the new normal. I'm just tired of hearing it, but the world has changed and we all need to adapt. And I think that this physical digital combination is going to be a strong part of the way that we do business and the way that we market in the future.
1: Yeah, totally agree. All right. I've kept you for quite a while. You shared a lot of great insights. Uh, Nick, always good, good to chat. Appreciate you, you doing this.
0: Well, thanks, Andrew. It's always good to talk to you and I look forward to future events.
1: Awesome. All right. I want to thank everybody in the audience. Keep an eye out for future episodes. Thanks again to uh, Nick and we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Have a safe.